Welcome to The Buzz, I'm Christopher Conover. On today's show, we revisit the Drought Contingency Plan. That's the deal between seven states to share less water on the Colorado River. State lawmakers approved the deal ahead of a late January deadline, but the federal government said it didn't meet the mark. Meanwhile, some say the plan doesn't go far enough to ensure Arizona has enough water for the future. Monday is the new deadline for all parties to sign the drought contingency plan, and as of this taping, questions remain whether or not Arizona will finish in time. The Buzz producer, Ariana Brocia, spoke with Luke Runyon, a reporter who covers the Colorado River for KUNC in Colorado, to get the latest. So, Luke, we've already missed one deadline to sign the legislation around the drought contingency plan. Now we're in a period where we have an extension to March 4th. What will happen if we miss that second deadline? The March 4th deadline is one more step in this bureaucratic process to add pressure to the states to finish these drought contingency plans. The Bureau of Reclamation has been asking governors of the seven states that rely on the Colorado River to give them recommendations of what to do, basically. Um, And if that March 4th deadline comes and goes, then the Bureau of Reclamation will be taking those comments from governors and coming up with their own plan um, that they may or may not end up putting into practice. And most likely there would be big legal challenges to them if that, that were to happen. But that's the threat. Arizona's been behind. They say they did have the legislation signed by that earlier deadline in January, but sounds like there were some pieces maybe not finalized. And California was also in a similar boat. Is that right? Yeah. So it was interesting in Arizona because you had this big signing ceremony for the legislation that was part of the state's drought contingency plan. And so lots of people were celebrating, saying, yay, we made the deadline. And then the federal government a few days later said, nope, no, you didn't. (laughs) And so the big sticking point in Arizona and in California has been that there's been a lot of these smaller side agreements that have not been signed, especially in Arizona. So you have agreements that need to be signed between the state, between individual water districts, between tribes. And those have not yet been completed. And so the federal government said, yes, you passed your legislation, but your whole deal is still quite fragile and could fall apart. And so we're not ready to sign off and say you finished your portion of this drought contingency plan. Same deal in California, where you have lots of big unanswered questions. You have individual water districts, irrigation districts that haven't yet signed on to the full deal, big water users. And so the federal government is still adding pressure to those states saying, you've got to get this deal done. You finished some parts of it, but not the whole deal. And in Arizona, I know some of the holdups have been around farmers, especially. They will lose water sooner than other users. And so they're concerned about that and want to get some additional guarantees and some additional water to sort of offset some of the potential cuts coming down the line. Is that the same in California or are there other things they're working out? There's a big, big issue in the Imperial Valley and the Coachella Valley in Southern California. And that's where you have the Salton Sea. It's this massive saline lake that's been drying up for a really long time, and it's getting smaller and smaller. And as it shrinks, it's causing these huge environmental and public health problems. One of the water districts near there is going to bear the brunt of those effects, the Imperial Irrigation District. And so for a long time, 
for years now, they've been saying, we're not going to sign on to the drought contingency plan until we have adequate funding to deal with this huge public health problem that's right in our backyard, the Salton Sea. And so they've been holdouts on the deal because of that Salton Sea problem. Um, and they're holding out now. They are asking for an additional $200 million from the federal government uh, in order for them to feel satisfied that they can sign on to the drought contingency plan. So you're starting to see these different actors within the basin who control lots of water throwing their weight around, saying, we're not going to sign on to this deal until we get the things that we want. I'm talking with Luke Runyon, a reporter covering water and the Colorado River Basin for KUNC in Colorado. So assuming Arizona gets their act together and the state does sign all the agreements in time, this is still just one agreement and there's going to be another round of negotiations that begin almost right away, right? Yeah, so the drought contingency plan itself is seen widely as a temporary patch to some guidelines that were passed back in 2007. So no one who's negotiating this drought contingency plan thinks it's going to be in place longer than five or six years, because that's when the next set of guidelines need to be put in place in 2026. So yeah, there's all of this consternation and tension and argumentation over this drought contingency plan, when really the next round of guidelines are going to be even harder. One thing that has been part of these negotiations, I think, is possibly the projections of climate change and what's happening, what will be happening, you know, a decade or two from now in these, particularly the lower basin states that are really going to be hit probably with more drought and hotter temperatures. Will that research and information be factored into the next round of negotiations, do you think? I don't see how it can't be. That's been one big criticism of this drought contingency plan is that it's not taking fully into effect the projections of climate change. I mean, you see it just in the name of the deal. It's called the drought contingency plan. They're not even calling it a climate change contingency plan. And there's this assumption that drought is sort of a temporary state that it'll eventually get better. But you talk to any climate scientist and they're saying it's not going to get better. So I just don't see how you could go into this new round of negotiations and not factor in climate change. It would be a dereliction of duty on behalf of water managers within the Southwest to completely ignore all of the climate science that's out there that says, yes, it's going to be hotter. It's going to be drier. You're not going to have as much snowpack. And that's going to add even more problems to the water scarcity problems that we're seeing in the Southwest already. So has there been anything positive in terms of negotiations to come out of this drought contingency plan? Any types of things that will set us up better for those future negotiations? Yeah, potentially. I mean, you're starting to see different actors within the basin coming to the table and participating in negotiations that you haven't necessarily seen before, or people agreeing to things that maybe uh, 10 or 20 years ago people would have thought were unthinkable. So within this drought contingency plan, you have California that's finally agreeing to some amount of water cutbacks, which Technically, they don't have to do. Arizona is really the the one who is going to bear the brunt of any water cutbacks within the basin, even with the drought contingency plan. I think if you would have asked people that 20 years ago, they wouldn't have said that that was the case. And I think, too, during this DCP process, you've seen a greater involvement and participation with tribal leaders, not just in Arizona, but throughout the basin, who have come to the table and are being considered as as participants in this whole process. And that's something that hasn't always been the case either. So I would say, you know, those are two 
maybe bright spots, if you're looking for them in this whole process, that could make a larger deal in the next few years a little bit easier, but not much. That was The Buzz producer, Ariana Brocious, talking with Luke Runyon, a reporter who covers the Colorado River for KUNC in Colorado. State Representative Kirsten Engel of Tucson was a member of the committee that developed the Drought Contingency Plan. We talked about recent legislative measures that could affect the plan's success. I started our conversation by asking if she was frustrated that Arizona missed the first deadline in January. It's frustrating. At the same time, I just can't overemphasize how complicated this mitigation plan is. There are just so many different pieces to this, and a lot of them are actually pieces the legislature is not a part of. You know, uh, agreements between the Central Arizona Project and, you know, the Gila River Indian Tribe, you know, changes in pumping fees uh, with the Department of Water. Sure, it's frustrating because we really thought we were going to make the deadline. Uh, But at the same time, I have to say, hopefully, Commissioner Berman will see that, you know, we're really trying to get these things finished up. Now, of course, that all depends on some other issues that have been going on in the legislature and that uh, we truly do have the water mitigation plan that we are all working to put into effect. Let's talk about those other issues outside of the drought contingency plan. uh, House Speaker Rusty Bowers, who was also on the steering uh, committee that helped come up with the DCP as you were, ran a bill that dealt with what some people call use it or lose it provisions in Arizona law. You're actually on the legislative committee that was hearing that bill. Before we get into what happened, Can you explain what the bill would have done? Well, what the bill would have done is it would have repealed from Arizona law a doctrine that really exemplifies the use it or lose it idea of Western water law, which is that uh, you only have the right to the water that you use. And if you're not using it, it passes down to a more junior user so that they can use it. And what has been in Arizona law is a forfeiture provision that says you have five years. And if you don't use it within that five-year time period, you forfeit it, and it goes down to that junior user. So that's a, that's a pretty fundamental proposition of Western water law. And we're not the only one. Um, uh, all 16 Western states have this in their law. And the speaker wanted to repeal that. The Gila River Indian community was vehemently against it, said they weren't going to sign the drought contingency plan. And the governor of the Gila River Indian community came to the committee, testified in front of the committee, was questioned by the committee. And in the end, Speaker Bowers held the bill. Do you know why he held the bill? Well, I think it became very apparent that this was really a radical change in our water law. And it wasn't just some small little fix to what seems to be going on with respect to those farmers in Safford. This would have changed water rights across the state of Arizona, settled expectations. And it would have also completely upended these uh, water adjudications that are going on. Uh, but also because it, it, it is clearly um, upending Uh, the drought contingency plan, because the Gila River Indian tribe is contributing a lot of the water on which that agreement rests. And they have made it very clear that if the bill goes forward, 
they will not go forward with uh, providing that water under the drought contingency plan. Um, and I have to say, it's still a bit up in the air, even right now. Um, the speaker has said that he is holding the bill, but he has not promised never to bring it up again. And we're still in session. We're talking with State Representative Kirsten Engel. There are other bills dealing with the drought contingency plan and water usage in the legislature. There's one that gives $20 million, an additional $20 million, to farmers in Pinal County. That is for them to dig more wells, correct? That is correct. And that did pass out on a party line vote uh, out of the Natural Resources Committee. And that was an interesting conversation, to say the least. Uh, many of us thought that uh, that was jumping the gun. What we had agreed to in the drought contingency plan legislation that passed unanimously through the legislature was that we were willing to look at more appropriation of money to Pinal Agriculture for groundwater, but only after they had really done their due diligence of applying for federal grants. Uh, and only if we found that, you know, that money was not available or not available on a timely basis uh, would we reconsider this. And I think there was also the expectation that in any case, uh, the state would be paid back for uh, any of the money that was received from the federal government. Uh, and yet what was passed was a direct appropriation without really clear understanding of why the grants had not been applied for and uh, without an assurance that we would be, the state would be paid back for the money that uh, they might be able to get from the federal government. Now, to be clear on the legislative process, this has gone out of committee. It still has to go through the full House, the Senate, and then there's the budget. This is obviously part, uh, will be part of the budget negotiation. So this is a long way from finished at this point. You're right. Of course, it has to go through the Senate has to go through you know, both houses and be signed by the governor. And all of those are, are unclear at this point. I notice in talking about some of the bills uh, and when you and I were talking about the drought contingency plan a couple of weeks ago, one thing we're not hearing a lot about is conservation. Are there bills pushing the state towards more water conservation? Well, there is a small amount of water conservation in the drought contingency mitigation plan. Uh, we negotiated for $2 million for conservation projects uh, that will be open for people to apply for um, in the future. There are separate bills. Uh, I did have a bill actually to uh, make our plumbing efficiency standards more efficient here in Arizona. There, we have standards that are really back uh, in the 1990s, and uh, we have much more efficient plumbing fixtures available to us now. Unfortunately, that bill did not pass, although I will continue to work on it. Uh, I think there's a lot more that we could do. Uh, we have lots of ideas of, of things that we should be doing. I think that's what we should be turning our attention to now. When the governor signed the drought contingency plan legislation, he also signed an executive order that set up a conservation council, amongst other things. Is your bill the kind of thing you could take to them and maybe get it done a little differently? I think that might be possible. Uh, certainly, I think that was a, a real step forward that that committee, the old committee was disbanded. He created a new committee. 
the new committee will be broader in its representation, uh, and it, it it has the word conservation in the title. So I think that shows that the governor really supports conservation and is willing to to push forward on that. Are there any conservation measures for new housing developments? Uh, Arizona is a growth state. Obviously, more people, more water. Are there any conservation measures specifically for them? Well, these uh, plumbing fixture standards, <laughs> not to go back to that, but they would have applied to new home construction. And we did have testimony that uh, the industry is moving toward that and is, is very close to being uh, compliant with the standards that, that I was seeking to put in place. We could save hundreds and millions of gallons through standards like these. So that would definitely be a step in the right direction. I have to say the another bill that we did also pass would provide a route for uh, counties that uh, have adequate water compliance standards to actually step back from those requirements. Uh, so these are counties that opted into the requirement that before you have a new subdivision, you need to have a 100-year supply of water. Uh, I think this protects the people who purchase those homes. It's really a consumer protection measure as well as uh, being good stewards of our water, our groundwater here in the desert. Unfortunately, we did pass a way that the county can actually repeal that. So I think that's a step in the wrong direction in the housing area. All right. Well, thanks for sitting down with us and filling us in on this this very fluid, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> drought contingency plan. Thank you for having me. That was State Representative Kirsten Engel, who helped draft the drought contingency plan. As the second and final deadline looms for states to agree on a plan to share the Colorado River, this week we're revisiting the drought contingency plan with a focus on water conservation. Some of the drought plan legislation includes changes that affect groundwater recharge. We talked with John Shepard of the Sonoran Institute about those changes and how they'll impact the Santa Cruz River. So the two important changes in the DCP and the legislation is one, there was a sunset clause, which basically ended the recharge credits for treated wastewater or effluent, um, and that is gone. The other thing is that for a certain number of existing uh, managed recharge projects, and by managed, essentially think of uh, treated wastewater that is being placed in rivers, and and that'll bring it home to us with the Santa Cruz here, it allows now a 95% credit as opposed to a 50% credit. So essentially it creates further incentive for treated wastewater to be placed in rivers, and to the extent that it's already in rivers, to stay there. When we talk about credits, uh, credit for what? Credit for other developers that are looking to secure an assured water supply for their projects. So it becomes something that can be traded and allows for development projects to, to proceed. Where does that treated effluent come from, that treated wastewater? It comes from wastewater treatment plants. So in the case of the Tucson area, there are two wastewater treatment plants that are depositing treated wastewater in the Santa Cruz River. Wastewater that's deposited into rivers is not treated to the level of drinking or bathing standards, but it's okay for human contact, it's okay for wildlife, so um, it's allowed to be deposited in rivers. 
So these changes that were passed by the legislature, it increases the credits, but you said it also gets rid of a sunset clause, which means those credits will be available forever. Right, in perpetuity, right. You mentioned the Santa Cruz River uh, will benefit particularly. It has a little run uh, that has water in it, but it's essentially dry. Why is a flowing Santa Cruz River, besides aesthetic reasons, because we like to see rivers flowing, but why is that important? So there are three reasons why having water in a river and treated wastewater in a river are important. First, it does help recharge our aquifer. Second, it allows for restoration of, of river habitat which has disappeared but comes back when you put water in there. And then is, the other is the recreational benefit, whether you're walking or biking along the loops where there's water in the river, that's a, a great amenity, uh, whether you're bird watching or picnicking in a nearby park. People are drawn to water in rivers, and so that's a natural uh, plus. And how much does the Santa Cruz flow right now? Well, it, it depends, but it flows, I would say, somewhere between 13 and 17 miles from Tucson through Marana. Snurin Institute has worked a lot on the Santa Cruz River. We have published a series of reports, the Living River Reports, that document the health of the river. Interestingly, um, when we first published uh, the report, it was just before the wastewater treatment plants got their upgrades. And so we've been able to chart the improvement in river conditions as a result of the water upgrade. One of the things that happens is that uh, when uh, treated wastewater is of a lesser quality, you get a vegetation mat at the bottom of the river, which allows the river actually to flow farther because the vegetation prevents the water from percolating in there. So you had a longer stretch of flowing river before the upgrades. Now with the upgrades and the improvement in water quality, that water is percolating into the ground, and so it's not necessarily reaching the same extent that it used to. We're talking with John Shepard with the Sonoran Institute. Even though the Santa Cruz isn't flowing quite so far with the improved treatment of the wastewater, that actually means it's healthier, it sounds like. It is healthier. We've seen the return of the Gila top minnow, which is an endangered fish, both in the, the lower Santa Cruz or the stretch in, in Pima County. And then there's another effluent-dominated stretch in, in the upper Santa Cruz. And there, too, we've seen the return of an endangered species, the Gila top minnow. Is that the big indicator? Is that our canary in the coal mine, if That you is right now, yes. It's a really good indicator of improved river conditions. Are there other signs that the Santa Cruz is getting healthier? Vegetation. Increased vegetation is probably the most uh, tangible, visible sign of river health. You're not going to see the improvements in sort of, you know, reduced bacteria or contaminants, but those are also significant indicators of improved river conditions. When it comes to the, the drought contingency plan and the laws surrounding it uh, that weren't officially part but are all kind of tied together, will they allow more flow in the Santa Cruz? Well, the, the two aspects related to the recharge credits will. Um, those are really the most important ones right now. The other issues that, you know, when we think about what's ahead, what are we going to have to do related to that, could have some, some, uh, some benefits to the river. It's going to really open up a conversation about what we do with our sources of water generally. And one of the questions is, 
how do we allocate water for the environment, for the river? And so there are opportunities for additional actions like allowing for ecological uses of water to be a beneficial use, which would then allow for people who have rights to uh, the river water to allocate some of those rights to the river itself, and those rights would be protected. And that's something we haven't heard about in the drought contingency plan. Everybody is talking about water for drinking, uh, water for agriculture, but water for the environment uh, seems equally as important. It does. It does. I mean, our rivers, especially in the desert southwest, tend to be dry. And so anything we can do to put some water in those rivers is going to be really important. Is there something we need to do to incentivize groundwater recharge? You know, other than beneficial use and being clear in the future for new projects that are putting water in the river, how they qualify for the 95% credit, those I'd say would be the two most important steps. So how do we continue to protect the water for the environment? Everybody's going to say, well, I want the water in my tap. I don't want the water in the river. Well, there are a, a lot of competing needs, and there are a lot of competing. Uh, there are a lot of sources of water. Think think of a water portfolio as surface water, groundwater, treated wastewater, stormwater, rainwater. We need to start thinking holistically about our water and having this portfolio, and thinking about for those types of water, what do we want to allocate them for. And so, and being in conversations with other jurisdictions, because much of the conversation right now is how do we have enough water for our immediate needs for Tucson or for farmers? And increasingly, we're going to have to do what essentially the DCP forced us to do, and that is getting all these interests in conversation and agreeing to a range of individual agreements to share water, to cut back water, to reserve water for the future. Given what the projections are for climate change and the effects in southern Arizona and the state as a whole, does the DCP do enough for conservation? Oh, not at all. Not at all. Uh, in fact, water conservation is something that, that as a state, we and especially urban areas, which are going to be the areas that are going to put increasing pressure on our water resources, we can do a lot more in terms of conserving water, being more efficient in our use and reuse of water. So the DCP has not even touched that yet. All right, John. Well, thanks for sitting down with us. My pleasure. That was John Shepard with the Sonoran Institute. And that's the buzz for this week. Find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. Ariana Brocious produced and edited the show. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer. Andrea Kelly is the news director. And our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.